Well, good morning. My heart is so full this morning. I could listen to the gospel choir all day. They're amazing. Uh, Make sure you come back at two o'clock. We have an amazing lecture from Zernona Clayton, and we'll get to hear the gospel choir again. Uh, So make sure you're back here at two o'clock for that in this room. Uh, Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Uh, Today, uh, of course, is not just any Monday. Uh, First of all, today's a cool date. Today is 1-20-2020. I think that's cool. Uh, It's also, of course, today is Martin Luther King Day. And so in honor of Martin Luther King Day, our topic in chapel this morning uh, is finding hope in diversity. That's our topic, finding hope in diversity. Uh, But before we get to finding hope, we have to acknowledge an underlying assumption here. And the underlying assumption is that we have a problem in the area of diversity. Uh, The very fact that hope is needed means we have some issues, we have some problems. If, If we didn't have a problem, we wouldn't need hope. The very fact that hope is needed at all presupposes that there's a sense of hopelessness when it comes to racial relations. And that, of course, is the case. It's the case in this country. It's the case in our communities. It's the case on this campus. It's the case in our hearts. We have a problem. And that has to be acknowledged up front because I think a lot of us too often come into these conversations around diversity with a little bit of an eye roll. Whether we say it out loud or just think it, I think a lot of times we come into these conversations thinking, why are we still talking about this? It's the year 2020. Isn't it time to move on and talk about something else? For Christians, for Christians, that attitude is totally and completely out of bounds. Christians have to be talking about diversity. For Christians, we can never move on from this conversation. Why? Because God talks about diversity all the time. All the time. The Bible is constantly talking about diversity. The Bible never glosses over racial tensions. In fact, one of the main story arcs of Scripture is the story arc of racial reconciliation from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis 11, the story of the Tower of Babel, we see that peoples, nations, tribes, languages are scattered. People are scattered because of sin. That's when segregation starts. And then in Revelation, we see that all nations, all tribes, all languages are gathered together again, and they're gathered together around the throne of Christ. That's the story arc of racial reconciliation. I want to read you this short passage from Revelation 7. It starts with verse 9. It says this, After this, I looked... And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. This is the word of God. I think it's interesting to note that at the end of history, at the end of time, when all things are redeemed, when God has made all things new, there will still be race. There will still be different languages, different tribes, different nations. It's not like race is going away. Every once in a while you hear people say something like, why can't we just be colorblind? Well, God's not colorblind. God sees color, he sees diversity, and he likes it. God likes diversity. The God of the Bible is a God who has preferences. Read the Bible, and all throughout the Bible, God is saying, I like this, and I don't like this. God just has preferences. There's things he likes and things he doesn't like. And one of the things that God likes, and it's so clear in the Bible, one of the things that God likes is diversity. He just likes it. He likes it. He likes mixed-race communities. He likes mixed-race churches. He likes mixed-race schools. He likes mixed-race college campuses. 
I would even go so far as to say that God likes mixed race families. Uh, in Numbers 12, uh, Moses uh, is a Jewish man, of course, and in Numbers 12, Moses marries a black woman. He marries a woman from Ethiopia. And not only does God approve of that marriage, but God punishes the people who don't like it. God just likes diversity. It's part of who he is. It's part of who we worship. We worship a God who likes diversity. And that means Christians have to be especially ardent supporters of diversity. It means that Christians have to be more enthusiastic about diversity than the rest of society because of the God who we worship. The God who we worship likes diversity. God not only likes it, but God also gives us the only motivation for fighting racism. God gives us the only motivation that sticks for fighting bigotry. In fact, I would even go so far as to say that without God, there can be no civil rights. I mean, where did the notion come from that humans have innate rights? Where did that come from? Some people say it came from Western thought, maybe. But if you look at the roots of Western thought, which is in the ancient Greeks, you have people like Aristotle. And Aristotle is saying things like, some races are born to be slaves. Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, who we celebrate today, knew that the basis for human rights came from only one place. It comes from God himself. The basis for human rights comes from the fact that we are all made in the image of God. In one of his sermons called The American Dream, uh, Martin Luther King says this. He says the whole concept of the Imago Dei, the image of God, is the idea that all men have a uniqueness, a worth, and a dignity. And we must never forget this as a nation. There are no gradations in the image of God. Every man from a treble white to a base black is significant on God's keyboard, precisely because every man is made in the image of God. That's it. That's where human rights comes from. Every human being is made in the image of God. See, when God made you, here's the reality. God had options. He could have made you any way he wanted to. God had options. He made you this way because he wanted you this way. God chose you. He chose you to be this way. And he chose society to look like this. He chose society to be diverse. And he chose you. He wanted you to be this way. I heard a, uh, a pastor who I listen to online sometimes. He told the story of a kid who was adopted. And this kid was being made fun of by his friends for being adopted. And the kid finally came up with a good line to shut up the other kids who were making fun of him. The kid said this, he said, you know what? My parents chose me, yours got stuck with you. <laughs> and so it is with us and God. God chose us, he chose you. In fact, not only did he choose you, but he handcrafted you. He made you, he knit you together in your mother's womb to be this way. And that is our basis, that is our only basis for having rights, that every single one of us was handcrafted by God himself. It's our basis for human rights. See, if we are all just tormented atoms in a bed of mud, which is Voltaire's phrase. If we're just tormented atoms in a bed of mud, then who's to say that one race is not superior to another race? But if we are all handcrafted by God himself, if we are made by him and if we belong to him, then any kind of discrimination is totally and completely off limits. The Christian gospel gives us this. The Christian gospel gives us our motivation for fighting bigotry and fighting racism. Christian gospel also gives us the only antidote. So the question is, what do we do about this? The Bible says racism is a terrible thing, but the secular world tries to fix it by going after the mind. The secular world goes after education. The secular world says, well, we've got to educate people. We've got to enlighten people. We've got to scold the racism out of us. It hasn't worked and it won't work because the problem is not in the mind. The problem is in the heart. 
The problem is deeply embedded in all of us, in our hearts. And nothing can fix our hearts except for God himself. See, Jesus gets a hold of us. Jesus gets a hold of us and he convicts us of our sin and he gives us grace. And that changes us. That changes our hearts. It also changes our identity. Notice in Revelation 7, when everyone is gathered around the throne, when all these nations, all these tribes, when they're gathered around the throne of Christ, what are they doing? They're shouting about the salvation they've received. That's what they're doing. They're singing in joy over the salvation they've received. That's what ultimately will unite us together. Well, the question for us is, what are some practical things we can do at Hope to start to look like this now? Again, uh, we look to Jesus. Uh, one thing Jesus does all throughout his life is he hangs out with people who were different from him. He hangs out with people who we might call others, sinners, prostitutes, drunkards, tax collectors. He even violates some cultural taboos by hanging out with people from different ethnic backgrounds than him. Uh, in John 4, Jesus sits down with a Samaritan woman. Uh, Jews and Samaritans were enemies. They didn't associate with each other. And yet Jesus sits down with this woman. He talks to her. He shows her respect. He gets to know her. He loves her. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Sometimes it's as simple as getting to know somebody who's different from you, finding a way to love someone who's different from you. But most of us don't do it. Uh, one study done a few years ago found that whatever race you are, approximately 90% of your friends will be that same race. For Christians, that's just not okay. It's simply not okay. We have to be a community that finds ways to get to know people and love people who are different from us. I desperately want hope to be a community, not a community that's colorblind, but a community that's color brave. A community where we go out of our way to talk to people who are different from, from us. So maybe here's the challenge for you today. Maybe the challenge is as simple as uh, finding a time and place to have a conversation with somebody who you've never talked to before, someone who's different from you. Don't be afraid to admit that it's making you uncomfortable. Uh, and let's be generous to each other as we have these conversations. Let's be generous in granting grace, because these are uncomfortable conversations, and maybe the words won't come out exactly the way we'd like them to. I think we can make hope a place that models true biblical community. I mean, look at the world around us. Do you think people are getting nicer? The world is getting meaner, uglier, nastier, ruder. The world's getting more diverse, yes, but at the same time, the world is getting more divided. Uh, this year, 2020, marks the first time in United States history that for those 18 years and under, whites are in a minority. By the middle of this century, that will be true for every age group in this country. Yes, the country is getting more diverse, but at the same time, the country is getting more divided. Hope has to be different. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. At Hope, let's be people who are peacemakers. Let's be people who build bridges to those unlike us. I think God wants to do this at Hope. I believe God is calling us to be a place that models the diversity that will exist at the end of time. You know what God does when he wants to do something? When God wants to do something, he uses people. He uses people. God needed a leader of the civil rights movement, and so God chose Martin Luther King. And I believe that today God is choosing Hope College. I believe he's choosing us to move to be a place where God moves, to be a place where God shows his glory. And one way that will happen, one way that the world will look to us and say, God's glory must be moving there is if we can become a place that's unified in our diversity. And we can do this. We can do this because we know where our ultimate hope lies. We know that our ultimate hope lies in a coming king. And one day, one day there will be a day and it will start much like this one. There will be a day that will start much like this one and then all of a sudden, a trumpet will thunder from the sky. 
And in a moment that we've been waiting for our whole lives, in a moment that creation has been groaning for since the very beginning, we will see the face of our Savior. And we won't have any trouble making a unified decision. We won't have any trouble being a unified people on that day. We will fall to our knees, fall to our faces in adoration of that King. And because we know that day is coming, because we know that day is coming, we here at Hope College can be a place, we can be a people that lives that out every single day, a place that's unified in our diversity. Go in peace and be peacemakers.